Welcome to the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast, where we untangle the past, rewrite the present, and reclaim our future. I am your host, Tammy Vincent, and together we will break free from old patterns, heal wounds, and create new narratives. Are you ready to transform the effects of your dysfunctional past into your superpowers? Are you excited to get back in touch with your true authentic self? If so, then hit subscribe and join me weekly on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. Here we will learn from experts as well as experienced thrivers how to turn our trials into smiles while living our most authentic and joyful lives. Well, hello again, everybody. Super glad to see you here today. Today we have with us a special guest. Her name is Lisa Alexander. And she is an award-winning storyteller and filmmaker. She's directed and produced documentaries for nonprofit clients for over five years. Currently, she's in pre-production for her first feature film, My Father, the Queen. She's an author, speaker, wife, and mom, and loves her life after all of the trauma. So welcome, Lisa. Super glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the invitation. Great. So tell us a little story. I know I'm looking at this right away. My Father, the Queen, the movie. I'm assuming that has a lot to do with why you're here and how you got started on this journey. (laughs) Absolutely. So the film is particular. It's a Black daughter's story about what it is to grow up with a closeted gay father. And we we experienced their trauma, both of their traumas and what it was to to, to live and to be and to exist. This is during the 80s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And so, you know, uh, the LGBT community, for as much as they're going through currently, especially trans people, but even back in the 70s and 80s, it was so far worse. It, I mean, just, we like to say that in the, when we're talking about the film that, you know, did our main character, did her father, did he choose to be closeted or was it something that was forced upon him? Because if he did decide in the seventies to be loud and proud, where would he live? Because who was gonna rent to him? What job would he have? Because people would discriminate based on, you know, on how he presented, if he presented very feminine. And so there's just so many things. And so because he was not able to get what he needed and to live authentically, it affected his ability to parent in a way that that child needed to be parented. And so the story is loosely based on real life experiences. Okay. But I know about daddy issues. I know what it is to be rejected by a parent and to experience that trauma and never being good enough and never being able to win their affection or win their validation. And so this is what the story is about, a woman's struggle with her daddy issues, even into adulthood. Um, Again, it's loosely based on my life, but it's at the root of it are daddy issues and how do you heal from it? Absolutely. And I think a lot of us have those daddy issues and I can't even imagine. It's like I had issues with my parents. They were both alcoholics. One was abusive, Mm. one was not. Um, But they were dealing with their own demons. So it seems like at the time your father was dealing with his own demons. I mean, he was wrestling this inner war of, do I come, you know, do I talk to people? I mean, I don't know if he, you know, like you said, you don't know if that was his choice or not to, you know, not to come out, but he's dealing with his own issues. So by default, he's going to be somewhat emotionally unavailable to you. 
And that's where I think so many people suffer from that trauma of that. And tell us, I mean, like, how do you think that impacted going into your life now? Like, what are the issues that you developed from that? So I can tell you that I would walk into, so as a business owner, you have to, there's a certain confidence you have to have, you have, because you are a salesperson and you have to be able to sell. If you want to be successful in business, you've got to be able to sell, be able to communicate and talk to, I was so unsure of myself, never really certain is like, is my work good enough? And so this was very early in my career and lots of therapy later. I am much better, (laughs) much healed in certain spaces, thankful for that. But it just showed up in my opinion of myself and always needing outward validation. Did you like it? Is it good? Um, And then just always needing that constant feedback, which is a, a side effect of not being validated by those that love you and that are, are, are grooming you and supposedly preparing you for adulthood, it was very much so it impact, impacted my self-esteem on such huge levels. And it was work that had to be done and, you know, dig into the whys. And then you have to get into, well, I've got to validate myself. And so there's a story that I tell all the time. Um, I was sharing with one of my bohemian friends. She's an incredible woman. She's a coach. And, you know, I'm, you know, talking to telling her probably for the 50th time about, you know, my daddy issues and my woes. And she says, Lisa, look, and I will not try to imitate her bohemian accent. That would just not be right. Cause it, I would butcher it too. <laughs> it, it would, it would not be right. But she told me that she says, Lisa, she says, you keep asking that man for a dollar and he don't have a dollar to give you. She says, either find somebody else to give you a dollar or give yourself a dollar. Oh, that is beautifully put. So if he doesn't have it to get, you've got to either do it for yourself. And I would recommend you do that for yourself. Thankfully, I did have a, because what happens is when um, other people tell you, oh my God, that was amazing. And I would always defer. And I think that's a woman thing also. And then I think it's always um, also a trauma response. Oh my God, that was awesome. You made the best apple pie or, oh my God, that work you did, it was just amazing. And you go, oh, it was nothing. And you know, it, you know, you kind of want it, but then, you know, it's like you defer it as well. And I think that's a trauma response. And we don't think that we're ever good enough. We don't think our work is ever good enough. And we're always, there's a um, also a response when you haven't been given that validation is that you overachieve. Absolutely. 100% perfectionism at its Oh my God. Oh my God. And so that's part of what we see in the film as well. Our main um, character, her name is Kelly. And we see that. Um, overachieving, you know, part of her personality. And it, it's, it's at its root, it's from her trauma yeah. from not being able to connect to her father. Absolutely. I mean, mine was more of, I think, a mommy issue. Um, my mother was the abusive wow. alcoholic, the drunk, the beat me up, the wow. tell me she hated me at five years old, wished I had never been born, wished I was dead, locked me in closets. I mean, wow. There is no feeling good after that there in your subconscious. I mean, for many, many years now, of course, I'm I've I've dealt with all that. And but it took a lot of like we were just talking to someone right before this. It's peeling back those those layers, peeling back and getting down to the root cause. And it's like we want to tell people we you know, like you said, looking from that external validation, you might not ever get it. You got to find it in yourself. And sometimes you have to dig so deep because like the big thing right now is the positive affirmations. Mm -hmm. 
I can tell myself, I love you. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You're lovely. You're all of this stuff. But if your subconscious mind does not truly believe that, all of your reactions and actions and emotions are going to come from a place of not believing it. So like you said, when someone says, oh, Tammy, that's a great job. You go, oh, it was my dad's. My dad did it. Mm -hmm. Oh, Tammy, you know, oh, you're great at this. Oh, no, you know, it's no big deal. And that's all of your life. So you have to somehow find Mm -hmm. it in you to pull it out and, and find it in yourself. Now, let me ask you, were you fortunate enough to have the two dads growing up? Did you know all this was going on? No, we did not uh, find this out until my sister and I, we were good and grown when oh, we wow. made this discovery. We had zero idea, right? Just no idea. But then when we started to put two and two together, she and I would go, you know, it's like, okay. And th- it's like, oh. And so when we finally made this discovery, you know, and we would um, talk to like cousins and they were like, y'all just now finding out. And it's like, apparently it was this open secret that everybody else knew, but we didn't. And it, 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 we were, we were, when I say we were good and grown, we were good and grown. So was there a mom in the picture? Yeah. My parents, they stayed together for 14 years. They met, they stayed married for 14 years. But the whole time it was the closet going thing going on. Wow. So imagine just the guilt and the shame of him not even being authentic enough in himself to come out and talk to his own children. Absolutely. Even as, as grown adults. And so, and then you have to remember, so we have, um, you know, baby boomers and the generation before, and it was like, we don't talk about any of this is we, we don't talk, we don't communicate, we don't share feelings. You know, it was always, like pulling teeth, trying to find out about how he grew up or, and that's for really parents. My, now my grandmother, that woman told stories upon stories and you'd be like, Nana, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, TMI baby, TMI. <laughs> yeah, mm, but I love, love my, and I appreciate, I appreciate every story she ever told me now that she's, you know, she's passed away. I appreciate every story she ever told, even, I don't care how many times she tells it because now I retell those same stories and it's to keep and honor her memory and to keep that alive. So I appreciate that woman for her sharing, but that other generation, and it's like, I don't know, and my mom passed away. So I, I don't know too much about her childhood growing up. It's not something that she talked about. There's clues that you kind of have to pick up and try to make sense of. But Read between the lines kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And how old were you when she passed? Mama was 65. So she just died maybe about six, seven years ago. But I still think that was too young. And I think I was cheated. But oh, yeah, you know that. Yeah. Did you have a good relationship with your mother? We did. It was okay. I'll say yes, but it was a mother and daughter relationship. And it was like, there were times when it's like, oh my God, she's on my nerve. And then other times it's like, Hey mom, I just want to sit in your lap, you know, the kind of thing. And, um, she was very, very strong willed. My mother was very strong, strong willed individual. And she was going to do what she wanted to do. And her health failed her. Um, and so she had 12 strokes before she passed. Wow. Bless her heart at 65. Young. As, yeah. That young. is young. That, that 12, is yeah. young. That's young. And so, um, you know, to go over to her house and I smell fried fish. I'm like, who did this? And why is somebody cooking 
fried 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 fish for a woman who has high blood pressure. We this is a no. So it, you know she was she wanted what she wanted, and I understand. Um, you know, food is such a it's such an emotional thing, and especially yes. if that's how you coped. And so yes. um, it was just those tugging. You know, it, typical mother daughter. Yeah. Yeah, I say I always say I'm blessed. I've had I think two arguments with my daughter, and she's 26 now. Oh wow! And one we had way too much to drink, and she decided to come out and tell me she didn't appreciate me not putting more thought into her name. And I'm like, what? Oh, like, oh. <laughs> like okay, we're gonna just pretend we're gonna chalk that up to oh. a couple of vodka cranberries and just move on. And then the other one was she was little, and I I think I told her to stop being bitchy. And she thought I called her the B word. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I just told you not to act like that. And she was like, and that was literally like our two arguments. And I'm sure she, I've gotten on her nerves because I'm a mom. You know what I mean? Like yes, I'm doing my yes. job, but, but, um, you know, maybe I, I always say it's a blessing in disguise that I was a traumatized child because I, I did my, my kids took the brunt of a lot of it. They're grown now. I have nine, mm -hmm. my youngest is 19, but you know, you do things as parents. I, I totally overcompensated, you know, it's, Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, and the so boundary thing, nah, 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 but I am blessed and lucky and gifted and like, and, and just overly blessed that they're all good kids. <laughs> like they didn't a, take that and run amok. So yeah, <laughs> you, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It was, I was very fortunate in that. Um, but yeah, it's so, I mean, I just have like the, the movie, I'm super excited to have it come out, but I'm just thinking, you know, I'm just trying to put the family dynamics, I guess, together more so that you didn't mm -hmm. know this whole thing growing up. Did your mother, was your mother aware? I believe my, I, I believe my mom knew after okay. the fact, after she got married okay. and there's some things, there's some scenes that play out in the movie that will have, that it's like, she knew. Right. So my whole thing is, you know, like you said, you got to live this authentic life. So none of you did. None no. of none of you did. And oh, my God, you know, no. authenticity no. is is the core of our being and our and our being able to express ourselves honestly and stuff. It's um, I mean, obviously, you loved your father. Obviously, you loved your mother. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, I mean, I was 26 before I realized I didn't know what unconditional love was. Mm. And, you know, I say that because my grandma, who I worshiped the ground she worked on and loved her, you know, loved her more than life. She didn't know me because we never shared family secrets. We never, uh. she didn't know the real me. So I'm like, I didn't even give her the chance to love me unconditionally. You know what I mean? Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Walls and barriers. And it's like, you can only go so far. Mm -hmm. I get that. So, I mean, it, to me, it all goes back to that authenticity. It all go, you know, it all stems from that and everything. I mean, you're yes. doing great now though. I mean, you're doing great things. I'm looking, yes. you're a storyteller, a filmmaker. Yes. I mean, tell us more about what you do. Sure. So I help nonprofits tell their stories. So this is my way of contributing to good trouble. So if you remember Senator John Lewis, he says, if you're going to get in trouble, make sure it's good trouble, right? And so this is my way of making sure that people that are deeply entrenched in all kinds of good trouble and doing things to help the um, marginalized in our communities, to help them thrive, to exist, to be fight for the rights of others. This is how we stay in good trouble. And I make sure that those stories get told. So 
Um, we do, we, we've done documentaries for um, a few of those nonprofits. We'll do videos, short videos. Um, we do PSAs. We uh, then help them with their marketing, their communications, PR, get them earned, earned media, which is always a good thing. And that's just what we do is to help amplify these stories. That's awesome. So, I mean, that's your way of giving back. That's your way of, yeah. of reaching out to way more people. I mean, obviously your movie is going to probably reach millions and millions of people, but you're going to, I mean, you're going, you're globally helping so many different people by, by helping people share their stories. That, and, that's the goal. Yeah. That's and it's goal. kind of, you know, I feel like we've kind of come back into that. I call it the woo woo hippie age, you know, and I love it where it's yes. you know, peace and expression and voice your opinion and, and you know, be yourself and, um, we're at a good place. Like, you know, your father was not at a good place. You know, that was when, yeah. you know, the seven is, wasn't that, or like when AIDS was starting and it was like, 80s, everything 90s. was so taboo yes. then. Yes. And yes, the yes, stigma yes. was, you know, so deep and the shame It's just horrible. Mm-hmm. Like now maybe things would be totally different for him now. Yeah. If I think, you know, I, so it, it, it really depends. So if you, if you, if you do the work, let's say you do the healing work to heal past all your traumas and you could live authentically, they have dating sites for mature um, folks everywhere on the spectrum, on the, on the, on the rainbow. And even if you're not in the rainbow community, I, my sister and I said, we would all, we would be, we would have preferred him have a boyfriend named Pierre and a dog named Fifi and live happily ever after. If it meant that he could be authentic, if it he could, you know, begin to, at that point, we didn't need Parrington, but if we could have a healthy relationship, we all, we would have signed on, we would have gone over for Sunday dinners, the whole, whole nine yards. Yeah. But you missed out on that because, you know, your mother would have coped. She would have survived. She, she And she did. My mother, you know, she, I mean, I mean, she would have survived right then and there had they said, yeah. you know, oh, something's not right. Let's just do it. You know, let's just stop mm-hmm. this, you know. Mm-hmm. 14 years. They were married 14 years. Yeah. 14 that's, years. That's crazy. That's, mm-hmm. you know, it's. I, to me, it's just mind blowing. I mean, I guess I'm one of the older generation, like the older of my generation where mm-hmm. to me, I'm always like, I don't care who you are, black, white, purple, yellow. I, I don't care. I don't care if you sleep with men, women. I, I don't care. You do you, you do. I'll do me. Yes. You know? And because that does not impact me whatsoever. Yeah. If, if you're not hurting me, I don't give a rat's butt what you're doing with your life. You know what I mean? I don't care if you want to get married and share the same health insurance. Hell, there's million. I'm trying to fight for health insurance. <laughs> Do you see? Do you see that? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You, you know, it's unbelievable. So I do feel that we're in a, you know, a better place now, but that doesn't help your past and your trauma and your, so and there's, there, there are still, um, the way that things are going now, there's this level of hatred and violence that's happening again, um, on a greater level now that we're matching violence of years past. So just recently, I would say within the last two months, two or three months, there was a business owner. She was a white woman, owned a business, and she she was not a member of the LGBT community, but she she raised a flag. She had a flag in front of her place of business, was shot and killed. So how, you know, yeah, it's like you're fighting against pro this and pro that and and love these people and be kind and this yeah. matters and that matters. Well, yeah. lives matter, period. Yeah. And 
you know. And so she lost her life just as an ally. As an ally. Just as, a, yeah. as an ally, she lost her life. And then, of course, you have all the the mass shootings and the and the clubs and things of that uh, things of that nature and all the anti-trans laws. At this point, it's I don't I don't know where we're going with all this. You know, and I, I was talking to someone the other day and I said, it's it's not a Democrat and Republican and black and white. And it's a good versus evil, literally flat out. That's it's 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 just good versus evil. You either love the yeah. human kind and are compassionate and live your life with compassion or you don't. And there's there's that only pretty, like there, yeah, you know, life is life is a world of extreme of polar opposites. It's either good or bad. And yes, there's in between. But Absolutely. in your heart of hearts, you're either good or you're not. You know, you I, either love or what's the opposite of love? You know, it's if we could live and let live. I like that. And it's like, live and let live. And it's like, so I, I, I don't like gelato. Should we, um, you know, get rid of everybody that does not like gelato? Are they all worthy of condemnation because they eat and love gelato? No. Well, you might be out because I don't like gelato. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't appreciate gelato. That doesn't mean that people that do are, are, mm -hmm. It, 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 it is, it's, it's that we don't even have to agree on certain things. You can agree that we, we can disagree on, you know, the best movie ever was Sister Act 2, you know, and I will, that's the heel I'm going to die on. And it's like, no, it was Sister Act 1. Okay. It was, you know, it was Whoopi Goldberg. Right. But, but, but at the end of the day, does, are you hurting anybody by caring either? You know what yeah, I mean? It's like, just part. like. That I mean, part. there's things that pop into my mind. People that say part. things and I'm thinking, you know, that that initial little evil little guy on my shoulder is like, well, that was pretty stupid. But I would never say <laughs> you do you, I do me, you know? Absolutely. We we don't have to agree. We, we, we don't. And I think it needs to be made OK again that we don't have to see eye to eye on same issues, but I can still respect you. And that doesn't mean that. I should unlife you because right. we don't agree. Right. Absolutely. That's not what that means. Right. Exactly. So tell me a little bit about your healing journey. Like you obviously, when was, did you have an epiphany? I always like to ask people, was there an mm. aha moment where you went, bam, like I got to get help. So my healing journey. I am so sorry. I thought I turned that off. Oh, you're fine. So my healing journey start it, it it was over time and so I've always been a journaler so I like to say that for black folk going to therapy just recently became okay because 70s 80s even maybe up into the 90s and it's like that's what white folk did. That's what the people in my community said. White folk go to therapy. We don't go to therapy. We go to church and we have Jesus. That's, that is therapy. That's what you do. And so even if you look back at my, my mom, it's like, where could she have gone and who could she have talked to about what was going on in her house? She had no one to talk to. Right. I mean, how, how, so I gave my mom all kinds of grace and just love and forgiveness. But... Okay, sir, <laughs> sir. Busy woman that's my husband trying to call me and so I, I do apologize no you're fine um, you're fine go on that that who would 
she talked to. And so again, I gave her so much grace because I don't know how I would have coped Mm -hmm. with the truth that she was living with and knew it's like how that impacted her as a woman, you know, how just her decision make, I have no idea. And so I give her all kinds of grace for being able to move forward, how she moved forward and was able to, you know, be successful in the things that she wanted to do. And so for me, I tell people, and it's like, you can't, please don't judge prior generations. And it's like, don't even judge Gen Xers. Um, on freedoms and liberties that you now have. Now it's okay for you to go, Gen Z, y'all can go to therapy and nobody blinks an eye, it's okay. It was not okay for me to go to therapy or even mention going to a therapist. 2000s maybe? Yeah. Maybe so within the past 20 years and it's been a struggle of, uh, a, a been a challenge for our community to say that it is okay to get therapy and to talk to someone. So my healing journey started with me journaling. Okay. I was a huge, I have over 20 years of journals. Wow. 20 years of journals. And so when it became okay, and it's like, I would, I would have these epiphanies, um, over and over again, I would have these epiphanies and I would, you know, just journal. And it's like, ah, all these aha moments in my journal, I'm journaling. It's like, ah, okay, okay, okay. And then it would make sense. And then I could process it. And so I would write about what I had just experienced and then it's like sit with it. Okay. And then write again. And so journaling was my path to, to, to healing. And then eventually we got to a therapist and they made it all make sense. (laughs) And they probably told you, well, how do I start Mr. Doctor or Miss Doctor? And they probably said, start journaling. So, I mean, you got to, you were intelligent enough in your wisdom to get a jump start because- And that can be a lifeline. I talk to people sometimes and I'll say, yes. just, just start being aware, like sitting yes. with your feelings and write them down, put yes. them on paper. And well, now, and the, the good thing is that when my father, the queen, is that yes. the same title of it? When that comes out, now you're going to transcribe your journals and now you've got a book series. So we're going to see Woo. so much more of you, girl. <laughs> Those, and I've been trying to decide, what do I do with these journals? Cause they're over 20 years old and there's this, um, transformation you can see mm-hmm. uh, there's a very obvious line in a transformation and you can you can see the growth and the healing happen and so yeah, yeah. It, it's beautiful I, I always say like I was talking to someone the other day and I was like man I wish they had google when I was going through what I was going through Oh my God. I can remember oh going down to the Wayne County Public Library sitting on the floor in this tiny little psychology section like looking through the index going okay suicide depression anxiety. Uh, yeah what do you do you know and there wasn't online therapists and no and you walked there wasn't online it wasn't online that's I know there was there was okay remember Firefox and AOL you know that was new technology (laughs) you know the internet was the wild wild west and it was like none of this there, there were these resources weren't available yet they on the internet. No, no, they weren't. And I, you know, I, I feel like people are in such a better place now, but they still need to learn because you still yes. don't know what you don't know. Yeah. You're, you know, yes. you, the way you're growing up or not you, I'm saying just in general, mm-hmm. you might be so emotionally abandoned and neglected and you don't know it. It's your norm. Right? You don't, you don't know the damage that's done until you enter the workplace, until you enter into the real world. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden you're like, wow, people are happy. 
Like, what do you mean I'm allowed to cry if I'm upset? Like, there's so many epiphanies that you grab and you're like, wow, I can be a person. Like, this is amazing. But yeah. And for me, it was realizing, and I'm there, there, I'm still learning. So, you know, this is all process and we're all always learning. And just to see where your triggers are and how they show up in your life. And so, you know, you respond a certain way because of this. And so just being able to make the correlation and it's like, oh, it's like, uh, oh, and it's like, so is that, is this something that I want to correct or fix? Does it need to be fixed? Or is this, I'll call it a survival method that you've adopted during your trauma? Is it serving you well? Because you're made aware of it and it is like, this is a trauma response. And it's like, this is very much so a trauma response. Is it serving me well? Do I need to shift and change it? Um, and how, how do I then go about it? And so I'm still having those aha moments, even now still. And then it's like, hmm. And it's like, why did I respond the way I responded? And it's like, and then you, we, you start rolling the tape back. It's like, okay, it all it's, makes sense. It's funny too, because in, in starting the podcast that I just recently started, I was like, okay, let's get a, let's get the basics out of the way. Let's just mm-hmm. educate on the basics. And literally our, my fifth and sixth episode are on coping mechanisms and do they serve you anymore? Because yes. we all develop them. We develop them out of survival. Absolutely. We develop Absolutely. them out of a need to just survive. I mean, literally they're all survival and they mm-hmm. don't, a lot of times they don't serve us well no. at all. And no. Um, the key though, I truly think like they say the awareness is the, you know, number one step of transformation. I think it absolutely. is 100% of transformation because absolutely. until you are aware of absolutely everything, you have to be aware of it or else there's no dealing with it. True. And so I know that th- there's there just certain experiences that I've had and they resulted in me becoming a hermit. Mm-hmm. So just it's me in my house where I became a lover of peace. Anything that even remotely looked like it was going to disturb my peace got cut off immediately. It's like, no, no foolishness, no chaos. No, no. It's like, there's just peace. This is a sanctuary. And so it's like, that was a response. I needed that in order to heal. I needed this place to be a safe space. I needed it to be quiet. I needed um, incense. I needed um, sage burning. I needed um, holy oil, holy water, just, you know, all of it in this space to just begin this healing process. And so now, and it's like, uh, you have to do, it's like, okay, do I want to stay in this place? It's like, I like my peace. I like peace and quiet. Never was one for lots of crowds. It's like my father and I, we do have that in common. We are not, it's like, it's too many people. It's like, how many people? No, that's too many. We don't want to, that's okay. (laughs) Right. Like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Let's no. <laughs> and I think it's the introvert. I think we're both. I think we're both introverted in a sense, but we appear extroverts. So what is that? Ambivert, ambivert. And it's like because I need my time to come back in, you know, come to myself. Right? Come to yourself. Yes. Absolutely. But so it, it's I'm I'm always looking and always learning. It's like. Hmm, do I want to change that? It's like, is there time to start inviting people over? It's like, do we have dinner parties? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> don't know. We'll yeah. see. 
We'll see. Yeah. And we'll it's, see. you know, that's, a, a, that isolation is part of your defense mechanism, but, and you'll, it's like gradual. It's big, grow your groups yes. little at a time. You know, you, yes. can, you can deal with five and then next week you'll be able to deal with 10 and then maybe 15 and who knows, like you'll be talking in front of thousands of people soon. You never know. You just never know yes. where it'll bring you, but it's baby well, steps. It's baby the- steps. Now, speaking on a state, oh, that I, I I live for that. That's like air to me. It's like being able to share on a stage. Oh my God, that I, that is life for me. Mm-hmm. Now, hanging out afterwards with a bunch yeah. of focus, like, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, we, we laughed so hard. We went to mm-hmm. a, um, I went down to do the speaker challenge, and there was like, uh, I had no problem getting up in front of all these people and speaking. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, okay, now we're going to do an intimate little thing back at the the guy that was running it. And he's having this little thing at his suite okay. at the hotel, and it's going to be like yes. 50 people. And I'm like, huh. 50 people crammed into one hotel room. Yeah, I think I'll go to the Yankee game with my son. <laughs> Same thing, you know, it. It, it was, it was just what it is. Well, it was super So this nice is lifelong. Life. Yeah, this, this is life. It's lifelong. So Absol- you're, it's lifelong. Absolutely. And it's just doing what you can do when you can do it and, and embracing Absolutely. that and being proud of that, you know, that's really what it is. So, but it was super nice talking to you. So I want to ask you one thing. If yes. you could give people, listeners that might be experiencing something similar, what would one piece of advice be that you would give them? Just one, huh? Just one. <laughs> well, if it has to be two, that's cool too. I would say learn to listen and trust your inner voice. Amen. Love it. Learn to trust it. Hone that skill become one with your intuition, your inner knowing, and your inner guide, it will not lead you wrong. Love it. Absolutely love Mm -hmm. it. So tell us more where we can find your information. I'm going to put everything in the notes, um, but just tell us where to find you, how to work with you, or what, what would what you do. Sure, sure. So if there are nonprofits or any other kind of social do-gooders out there, and you want me to help you tell your story, um, please reach out. I'm at prettyworkcreative.com. That's the name of the agency, the agency that works with all the lovely nonprofits. And then if you're interested in the film, we have a crowdfunding campaign coming up. We have a fundraiser coming up in Chicago. You can go to myfatherthequeen.com. You can get links to the crowdfunding campaign, which is fund my father, the queen. So all of it's pretty easy. Um, We'd appreciate all your support. We think it's a great story and we know it's going to facilitate a healing for a lot of people. You got it. You got that right. Well, thank you so much, Lisa, for coming on. I appreciate it. And absolutely. Yeah, it was it was great talking to you. And for everybody out there listening, um, it's another story of hope and inspiration and knowing that it doesn't matter the trauma. It doesn't matter what happened. There is healing on the other side if you just listen to your heart. Thank you very much and have a blessed day. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for joining me today on the Adult Child of Dysfunction podcast. If this episode resonated with you or you think someone else could benefit from what you heard, why not share it with someone you care about? Let's heal from our past and take back control of our lives together. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to www.tammyvincent.com for a free chapter of my book, Surviving Alcoholic Parents. While you're there, be sure to catch my invigorating seminar, Awakening Your Authentic Self. Together, we will rewrite our stories and turn trials into triumphant smiles. Until next time, 
Keep embracing your strength. Keep being you and know that you are more than enough. You are way more than enough right here, right now.